I just love you have a John the Baptist in your life. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and yes, when I'm aware you, of this. Yeah, I know you know this, but not everyone <laughs> listening is going to know this. You're such a smart No, you disappeared. No, you disappeared. You've read or heard or preached the scripture this week. Now what? Join myself, Pastor Carissa, and my colleague, Pastor Allen, as we explore the spaces between Sundays in our podcast, Soft Idolatry. So you're, you're going you're gonna to love my title for my sermon. What is it? I do not think it means what you think it means. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, I'm quoting slightly more shishi uh, art and mm-hmm. calling mine What's in a Name. No, that's not shishi. That's just uh, older. Older? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, no, that's fair. Nothing, nothing shishi about Shakespeare. Welcome to episode three of Soft Idolatry. We are in a series on the Ten Commandments right now, and today we will be talking about taking God's name in vain. One of the fun commandments to break. One of the most fun commandments to break. You're right, Alan. And in fact, we both have a couple of stories about breaking this commandment or appearing to break this commandment or... Or, uh, or something adjacent to breaking this commandment. Adjacent, yes. Commandment breaking adjacent. I like that that terminology there. So why don't you kick us off with your story? I know you love telling a good story, so I'm going to turn you loose to do what you love best. You got it. During my seminary internship, which for those of you who don't know, uh, when when one is in seminary, one does an internship. It's much like student teaching if you are studying to become a teacher. And you are an intern with a congregation for an entire year. So I was in my internship and was about to preach for the very first time for this congregation. And starting about two weeks before I was supposed to preach, I started having this recurring nightmare. And in that nightmare, every time that I would get into the pulpit, I would open my mouth and all I could say was And I'd open my mouth. me. I couldn't stop saying it, no matter what happened. And... The more I thought about it, the worse it got. And I would wake up from this dream, sometimes in a cold sweat, but whether I woke up or not, I would always remember that I had this dream. Normally, I don't remember my dreams. So I had this for two weeks. I get up, I preach, everything goes just fine. No swearing at all from the pulpit. And uh, all was well and good. Toward the end of the year, I got invited to a picnic at the home of one of the members of this congregation, and and several church members were there. And so I finally told them the story, which they all cracked up over. And and then uh, a woman named Barb said, oh, that's all right. If you would have done that, I just would have come up there and put my arm around you and said, it's okay, Alan. Come and sit down. You can try again another time. I love that story because in field education, we have no idea what the boundaries are yet. That's part of the reason that seminary students have to do field education. And so one of the biggest fears is overstepping a line and dropping an F-bomb from a pulpit is 
in most contexts, probably <laughs> stepping over a line. And so it's totally like a big fear. Totally stepping over a yeah. line. Um, I can think of very few contexts in which that is not crossing the line. Right, right, exactly. Well, so I have a story too, and mine is a little bit different in that, believe it or not, I didn't actually swear in the story. Uh, we could probably find a lot Only of- Only in real life, right? Right. We could find a lot of stories in which I did swear like a sailor, but this is not one of those contexts. In fact, this is an interesting uh, look at how people- try to filter themselves around us if they don't know us well um, because they know we're pastors and mm -hmm. there is this expectation that we don't uh, swear like other people do or you know that we're uh, extra specially good and some of us are actually worse than the general population in a lot of ways uh, <laughs> so every year at the gym that I go to we do this big workout and cookie exchange before Christmas. So we work off a million calories and then we eat our weight in cookies and it balances out and it's great. And it kind of goes in heats because there's so many of us and it's total chaos if you have everybody going at once. So I was in the first heat because I'm an early riser. I like to be the first one in and out. And I was cheering on the later heats and helping them remember what they were supposed to be doing next because there's lots of moving around. And I was cheering especially hard for uh, one woman who I know we've had some classes together and she's just one of those people that you want to cheer on. And after the workout, an, a third friend, another person from the gym came running up to me and she was just in tears laughing. And I said, what is your problem? And she goes, oh my God, this is so hilarious. And I see the woman I'd been cheering on is like turning bright red over in the corner. And she goes, you, uh, I was talking to, to her after the workout and she said, oh my God, I just cussed out the pastor. And this other friend who knows me better just started cracking up. She said, well, what did you say to her? She said, she was just cheering me on and I was just so over the workout and so frustrated that he yelled, F you. And, and then she was really embarrassed and like couldn't look me in the eye after that. So she told this other friend who came over and told me immediately because she knew I would find it to be hysterical. She said, no, don't tell her, don't tell her. Uh, but she came over and told me anyway because that's the kind of friend she is. <laughs> and, and I just lost it. I started laughing so hard. And I walked up to this other woman. Oh, I do swear in the story, Alan. I was... I broke another uh -huh. commandment. I just bore false witness. I broke another commandment already today. I went over to this other woman and I could tell she was embarrassed. And I just looked at her and I said, you know what? F you. <laughs> and she totally <laughs> lost it. And that has become our greeting to one another now at the gym is just F you. And it's hysterical because she was super mortified that she had said that in front of a pastor. And I don't know if she was afraid she was going to go to hell or something like that, but it was it was a hilarious icebreaker between the two of us. You, you do, of course, have a bleep button for after you do the um, mixing and everything, right? I'm going to be using that button copiously Excellent. in editing Excellent. this one. Well, let's dive into the text for today. That's Our, a great idea. What is the text for today? The text for today is Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 6, and then verse 11. So why are we skipping around like that? Could you refresh our memories? Well, we want to make sure that the context of 
each commandment is clear, that the covenantal relationship is always in the front of our minds instead of the back of our minds, if it's there at all. So we will always start with verse 6, and then we will read the particular commandment for that week. Right. And if you're just coming in now on this third episode, we encourage you to go back and listen to the intro episode and uh, the one previous from last week, just to catch up on that context and how important it is. So our text this week is the third commandment, beginning with Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 6, and then continuing with verse 11. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. For fuck's sake, this is a really misused commandment. When I was a kid in Sunday school and in private Christian elementary school, we were often told this commandment was not just uh, saying the Lord's name as an expletive, but it included any expletive. And so saying, oh, fell into this commandment of not taking the Lord's name in vain. It was essentially given to us as no cussing. But this is really about the power of names. It's not necessarily about the sort of speech we're using by way of of expletives, but rather about the power of names, right? Names have a lot of meaning. There are a lot of studies out there on how someone's name that they're given at birth can really affect them throughout their life. Yeah, I think that's an important switch in focus to take it away from cursing. There's actually a a great um, quote from Tony Campolo. (laughs) I know this one, but go ahead. Yeah. I have three things I'd like to say today. First, while you were sleeping last night, 30,000 kids died of starvation or diseases related to malnutrition. Second, most of you don't give a What's worse is you're more upset with the fact that I said than the fact that 30,000 kids died last night. That is an amazing quote, and I love Tony Campolo. He's great. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So there is scripture that could be applied to not cursing or not cursing all the time anywhere, right? Um, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 10, about how all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. There are a lot of scriptures that talk about coarse speech. And so it is important for us to be sensitive to the people around us and not just go around blithely dropping F-bombs wherever we happen to be, right? We're not going to just walk through a playground and start swearing at little kids. But when we're sitting on the porch in the evening, uh, having a, you know, a glass of whiskey with a friend, then, you know, we might, we might loosen up those lines a little bit because, because of the nature of that relationship and the expectations of speech. English was not even invented, really, when these commandments were written down. So there's no way that this could possibly be about the words or right? They weren't even in existence at the time. But this is about names and the power of names. I love the scene in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade where 
Indy is trying to convince his father to call him Indiana because his father keeps <laughs> calling him Junior <laughs> because his name is Henry Junior. And he goes, my Indiana name is, is Indiana. <laughs> Indiana is the dog's name. But there's something powerful for him about mm-hmm. setting his identity apart from his father. And that's such yeah. a great line in that yes. movie. Yes. Names are what set us apart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they identify us. And um, and sometimes we identify ourselves differently in different situations because we want to project ourselves in a certain way. Sure. So when I'm around friends or colleagues, I'm Carissa. Mm-hmm. In spite of the fact that when I was a kid, I desperately wanted a nickname and mm-hmm. nobody would ever get, like I would try to give myself a nickname. I would introduce myself oh, that, <laughs> by that something works. else. And as soon as someone found out my whole name, that's who I was. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but around friends or colleagues, I'm Carissa. Around my congregation, it's the same. It's either Carissa or sometimes Pastor Carissa for those mm-hmm. who still want to feel a little more formal. Mm-hmm. But And when I do a formal publication or a communication, it will have my full name, including my middle name, which is my maiden name, which is also mm-hmm. an important part of my identity identity mm-hmm. to me. Um, uh, but And if I'm, I'm really trying to throw my weight around, I will insist on being referred to as Reverend Howe. That's how mm-hmm. you know when I'm angry with someone. I insist that mm-hmm. they call me Reverend Howe. Yeah. Um, but my extended family still calls me Pee Wee. Some names are given for special reasons. We name our children after people. We give them a name that has significant meaning, maybe a place that that uh, that is special to the family. Some names are given just because they sound nice. But whatever the case, a name is an intimate part of a person's being. Uh, names are how we identify who's who, how we identify ourselves, but not just familiarly, but down in our in our souls. Yeah, and that is, of course, a fundamental concept in Hebrew, too. The name of God is a powerful thing. And literally, the the name in Hebrew is Yahweh. And it is just written as an unpronounceable set of four letters because you are not supposed to invoke God's name lightly. And in Hebrew, there are workarounds for this. Other names of God include El or El Shaddai, meaning the Most High, or Elohim. Did I get that right? Yes. Okay. El Shaddai, um, Elohim. Yes. Okay. El yeah. uh, This this commandment is not about cussing. Mm-hmm. It's about the power of God's name and how we use it. Right. I and, do. I do believe. Ahead. I do believe there are scriptures about cursing and cussing. So mm-hmm. there's scriptures about cursing others, but those scriptures are talking about being mean to people with your speech. Mm-hmm. They're not talking about specific words. The words and. And it had not been invented when the Hebrew scripture was written. They had not been. They they weren't. So it's not talking about those. Um, and you can be mean without swearing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can be meaner without swearing, and that is definitely a no no in other scripture, right? And you can mm-hmm. you, you can swear all day long without being mean. This is true. I frequently do. Hmm. I I have noted this. Right. So this is so those are talking about, you know, 
a different type of speech. Don't be mean to people. Don't joke around mm-hmm. in harsh ways that are going to be that are going to hurt others. Right. So so then we have to eventually we have to work into the heart of it um, about what what it means to take the Lord's name in vanity. Yep. And that, that ha- I I think that's if not the meat of the whole discussion, that's the meat of the rest of the discussion. Agreed. So I really like this quote from Callas. He says, the issue, it seems to me, is waste. God's name is powerful, more powerful than we shall ever fully perceive. Because God's name is available to us, so too is the power of that name. If we use it in vain, in a fashion contrary to its character, or in trivial fashion, perhaps even debasing it, then we have wasted it. God has been divinely generous in revealing his name, and thus in making himself available to us. What could be a greater insult to that generosity than to use the gift carelessly or crudely, that is, in vain? And how could we be more destructive of our own welfare than to misuse such a gift? We've been given the power to call on God's name, and mm-hmm. we have been named as God's people. And when, when we use that name lightly, or for mm-hmm. purposes that are counter to God's purposes, we've just, we've wasted the power of that gift. Mm-hmm. Yes. We have to be cautious when we invoke it. Right. Because, among other things, we could invoke it in the wrong way. And this is really the heart of the commandment. Yeah, it's about uh, it, it's about the integrity of using God's name when we use it. And that name is available to us to call upon. And so that power is also available to us. And if we use that name, if we use that power, if we use that freedom in vain, in a fashion that is contrary to its character, maybe even debasing it, then we've wasted it. And God has been so generous to us in revealing that name that how dare we waste that gift? I think also, and and this is probably going to be the the deeper takeaway for me, is uh, vanity, that Taking the Lord's name in vanity means not living into the covenant. And I think it's about it's part of a debate about true righteousness versus self-righteousness. And I think if you are taking the Lord's name in vain, then you are not living into the commands to do justice and to love the Lord and to love your neighbor and to walk humbly with God. And if we look at the prophetic tradition, we have many, many examples of God speaking through the prophets saying, I reject your solemn assemblies. I I don't like your festivals. Your worship is in vanity because you are not living into the covenant. You are not living according to our bargain, our contract. And you are making sacrifices in worship and doing all the things that you're supposed to do on paper, but you're not living it outside of worship. And that, to me, 
is the heart of this commandment. I agree with you. In fact, one of my very, very, very favorite passages of scripture is Isaiah 58, which is perhaps the most powerful example of just that in the prophetic tradition. Cry aloud. Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. And here's where we see this this vanity. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure. You oppress all your workers. Behold, you only fast to quarrel and fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose, a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? And it continues to go on talking about, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. This is a consistent call throughout all of the books of the prophets. Do justice, uphold the widow and the orphan, welcome the stranger, welcome the foreigner. This is a standard response of the prophets. They are there to hold the people's feet to the fire, particularly the people in the ruling classes, the priests and the kings and to make sure that the people who are tasked with righteousness are actually leading righteous lives as they go about telling other people to be righteous also. When we talk about the commandments being a way of life and a way of living into the covenant Mm -hmm. and living into our relationship with God and others, We should remember this power of names, that names are so powerful. There is a commandment about using God's name. We -hmm. should be careful how we use names with other people. Mm. Okay. Um, I like that. We should extend it. So we need to extend this to the way we use other people's names, both their actual names and names we give them. Um, Mm -hmm. Because the people around us have been offered the same intimacy and the same adoption by God that we have. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so when we use racist or sexist or homophobic or Islamophobic or whatever phobic names and language you want to think of, we are using those derogatory names against another person, another person who has been adopted by God, offered the same intimacy that we have, and we are renaming that which only God gets to name. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I would I would use instead of adopted I would use created in the image of but yes. Yeah. So okay, so created nobody has naming rights over any person except for God. Mm-hmm. 
We don't even get to name ourselves. We try to name ourselves an awful mm-hmm. lot. And we give ourselves all sorts of terrible names and forget yeah. the name that God has given us. And so that's not taking God's name in vain, but it is taking for granted the names that God has given us and not appreciating the power of God's gift for us. Okay. Well, and, and the flip side, too, is that we will sometimes try to give ourselves names in vanity, mm-hmm. or we will vainly use the titles that are attached to us, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, in Insisting on... <laughs> uh, so someone calling me Reverend Olson or you Reverend Howe. Um, and, and and yeah, I, I would I would totally do what you did as well. Mm-hmm. I think that can circle back around to harsh speech and cursing others uh, because we both work with populations who trend on the older end of the demographic mm-hmm. of wherever we're at. That's just what it is. I don't want to get into the why don't we have more young people in church conversation. Mm-hmm. But that means that we frequently get asked by people who have seen language change and have seen the the terminology we use for other people has changed. They, I'm often asked the question, why do we have to keep changing these words? Why do we have to worry about political correctness? Why does it matter that much? that we're still using an old term. And the reason it matters is because names and the way we name God and others matter so much. There's an entire commandment about God's name. That's how much Mm -hmm. names matter. Names Um, matter so much, we have a commandment about God's name. Right. Uh, And that's a a very Nadia sentiment there. Uh, I, I can. I, can I will do take the, that as a compliment. And no, yeah, no, that's good. Um, I, I could. I could do a little thing on uh, the boogeyman that is political correctness. Uh, the problem. The problem with that term is it means exactly what each person wants it to mean, and nobody knows exactly what the other person uh, means. And the original meaning is that we should call groups of people by the names that they call themselves. Why don't we just ask people what they want to be called? That's a that's a burning question in my mind. I had someone ask recently, they don't know what to call people of color. Mm-hmm. Do they call them black? Do they call them African American? They know they're not supposed to call them colored or worse anymore. Yeah. Uh, those names I won't say on the air, actually. Right. I will say f- before I'll say that. Right. But, and... I said, well, why don't you ask? Because depending on where you're at and what the situation is, that might Mm -hmm. change. And it depends on the relationship you have with that person, too. So if you're not sure what someone wants to be called, f***ing ask them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's probably also going to vary with the age of the person. Absolutely. What this comes down to is how we attribute what we do to God. How do we waste God's name? We do a lot of terrible stuff and hand it to God. There's a lot of wars that have gone down as being righteous wars. Um, We just really shouldn't be doing horrible things in God's name. I'm also a very strict pacifist, and I know that this is idealistic, and I don't care because Mm -hmm. the Bible is idealistic, but I would argue that you can never justify a war in God's name. You cannot reconcile Christian faith and violence. I can't reconcile them. Mm. I, I, I mean, you, you'd, you'd want to go to Martin Luther on just war, but 
Um, I, I wouldn't. I disagree with Martin Luther on okay. that. Sometimes even we just do trivia shit in God's name. Yeah. I cannot roll my eyes hard enough when a, like a pro sports star or someone on American Ninja Warrior, which I love. I love American Ninja Warrior, but they win something or they do really great. And they're like, I just have to give God all the credit for this. God does not care who won your mm-hmm. football game. <laughs> Doesn't care. And like, take God more seriously, guys. This is mm. winning a football game or jumping across those spinning barrels is not necessarily forwarding God's work. And why does God care if you fall in the water or not? I love American Ninja Warrior for the record, but mm-hmm. I don't think that that's God's mission in the world. No, but could could they just be? Uh, is 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 are they committing the sin of vanity, or the or are they just inarticulate? You know, they they could be giving thanks to God for the blessings in their lives, which include their athletic prowess and devotion to their craft. I just want to say that on the surface, you don't always seem like the nicer one of the two of us, but really when it, <laughs> when it comes down to it, you are so much more gracious with people than I am. Uh, it's, it's casuistic. <laughs> it's on a case-by-case basis. Speaking of being inarticulate, Alan, I think that this might be time for us to begin wrapping this episode up as we are both unraveling just a little bit here. So what do we do with this? What, what do we want people to take away? Uh, I mean, for me, I want to take away it's, it's about because it it is all about you. (laughs) Well, I'm right. So in this case, yes. Um, so, so how, how does this get back to the covenant relationship? We, we always need to bring it back to that. Did you read Carver's blog today by any chance? No. Okay. So he. Link me up. Where, I don't even know where to find his blog. Um, I'll send it to you. Yeah, do that. Uh, he says that one of, in this somewhere, uh, he says that one of the most important books he ever read was uh, called From Brokenness to Community by Jean Vanier, or Vanier, I don't know how it's pronounced, um, but I'm sure you'd recognize the name because I, I know I saw it in seminary. Anyhow. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think I've heard of it. Uh, okay. Um, Maybe I've not we... heard of the book didn't go to the same seminary maybe not um the quote that dave puts out is uh we believe that our knowledge and theology are important only so long as they are used to serve and honor the poor Mm. we to to love god we have to do justice as god would do that that uh if we are and and it, and it's interesting that that this is not the pivot to the love neighbor, but mm-hmm. um, the way in which we worship, the way in which we act, has to be consistent with that right relationship that is outlined in the prologue. And uh, so so we're going to get the breakdown of that in commandments five through 10, but it is, 
ultimately it ends up working for justice for creation. In other words, the basis of not using God's name in vain is Mm -hmm. to do these other things. Yes. Cool. I like it. That, that, that's okay. where, where it's been going in my head the whole the whole day. Our now what is to love God. We have to do justice as God would do. Mm-hmm. Because yes. God loves us so much to have granted us the power of God's name. We can invoke God's name. We can mm. call on God by name. Mm. But if we if we ask for that power, we have to then live into God's promises. I like that. That's good. That's good. So what's our new practice this week we're going to ask people to do? Oh, that's a good one. I, I hope you thought about this because it's your... <laughs> no, I have not. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. We should probably confess our own sins of vanity. Um, I have none. Yeah. (laughs) As we we all know, I am perfect. Yes, yes. Um, And and I'm I'm trying to think of where I want to say I take the Lord's name in vain. I really really like this idea of us Mm -hmm. practicing it. Yeah. uh, So so we need to, like, identify it and... Ooh, yeah. And, and and because if if we don't do that, then putting it as a discipline at the end won't make sense. I agree. No, I I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, and I think I think that for my sermon on Sunday yesterday, that was only yesterday. It feels like a million yeah. years ago. For my sermon yesterday, I think one of the things that gave me the fuel for it, and one of the things that people said was was spoke to them about it was that I was willing to say, I f-ed this up this week. Mm-hmm. I was a self-righteous hole and did not take the time to say, yeah, let's talk about that. I was so busy mm-hmm. defending my sermon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I think, I think there's something really powerful. I, I think we can wrap, we can wrap this back around to the prologue. Because yeah. there, there is an argument that can be made to say that the revelation of God's name is gradual. And when Moses asks God, who are you? God says, I am. Hmm. And continues to build on that through the Shema. And so it could be argued that God's name is, I am the Lord your God who led you out of Egypt, etc. Mm-hmm. And when we misuse the commandments or abuse justice, uh, ignore justice, we're taking God's name in vain because God's name is living in harmony with one another and with God. This week, we're encouraging you to try a spiritual practice called Eximen. This is the practice of reflecting on your day or your week or your month. It's an examination of your behaviors and how they compare with the revelation of God's plan, of God's plan for justice and love and mercy and care for all of creation. So 
as you look back on your day or your week or your month or whatever period you choose to examine, consider all of the opportunities that you had to do justice or mercy or love creation and places where you fell short. At this point, we're not asking you to beat yourself up over this, but just start looking back on the opportunities that you missed. And we'll put a link in the show notes to a structured way of doing this particular type of prayer that might help you along in that process. If you're a journaler, you can do this prayer written out. If you're not a journaler, you don't have to write it out. You can just reflect on it as you go. So we'll make sure that that's available to you if you would like that extra guidance. Okay, shall I pray us out? Yes, and this prayer that we'll be praying this week is from the United Church of Christ, and we'll put the link to that website in the show notes as well. Let us pray. Grant us, Lord God, a vision of your world as your love would have it, a world where the weak are protected and none go hungry or poor, a world where the riches of creation are shared and everyone can enjoy them. A world where different races and cultures live in harmony and mutual respect. A world where peace is built with justice and justice is guided by love. Give us the inspiration and courage to build it through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And friends, as you will go about your week, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us for another episode, friends. If you'd like to send us some questions or comments, you can email us. Our email is info at softidolatry.com. And you can always check out our website at softidolatry.com. Um, uh-huh. By the way, saying you're a smart uh-huh. might be considered coarse language, but is acceptable. Yes. It's acceptable in the dynamic of our friendship. Indeed. Um, and it is not taking the Lord's name in vain. It might no. be pa- possibly taking Alan's name in vain, but. No, not not really. I mean. That's what I'm going to, instead of, instead of yelling, oh my God, at people, I'm going to be like, Alan Olson. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be my new swear word. I'm just going to start taking your name in vain. <laughs> Vanity. And what's name. funny, when I was in seminary, most of the professors would not only pronounce my name correctly, but know that I was a seminary baby because of my name. <laughs> I will now forever call you Allie. <laughs> but by the way, you sound a little bit funny. Uh, some it's things my... get a little It's my fantastic sense of humor.